0: here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today.
1: Thank you for listening today to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, friends. I am your host, Mark Cravens, and it's a joy to be with you today, sharing with you what I believe is going to be an extremely encouraging podcast. I have with me today, by way of Zoom, none other than Karen Pennington. Karen, welcome to today's podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Karen, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the podcast. We've talked about this and we've waited for this moment and it's finally worked out. So I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you. Karen is a wife, a mother, and don't miss this. She's a grandmother. That's very important, isn't it, Karen?
2: Yeah, the most important. The most important. Tell the God and grandmother. <laughs> tell the God and grandmother. It's number
1: two. <laughs> yeah, you and I have had Grand this conversation. <laughs> We're now in that group of people that are so annoying because all we want to talk about are grandkids and show off pictures. <laughs> That's right. Karen is also a writer, a speaker, an educator, and the host of a podcast entitled Daily Adventures in Grace. In this podcast, Karen seeks to find and share God's fingerprints within every day's journey. She also, as I mentioned, is an author, and we're going to be talking more about this in just a little bit, of a book entitled, get this now, An Anointed Mess, Discovering the Daily Adventure of Grace. And again, Karen, welcome to the Hope Along the Journey podcast.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. It's an
1: honor being here. Yeah, I I warned you, you know, I don't warn you about everything, but I did warn you that I was gonna ask you to share with the audience maybe some little known fact that wasn't in all that bio about you and about maybe what you did in your background or if you had any hobbies or played any instruments. Share something with us.
2: Well, you you gave me the answer a few minutes ago. You hit the nail on the head.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I did that.
2: I know. Well, I'll just share this about you. you maybe you have supernatural knowledge you didn't even know of. He's a, uh, <laughs> he said, tell them if you played the trombone in high school. And I did play the trombone in high school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I told you the reason I asked is because I played trombone from all the way from grade school into early high school. I played trombone. So I just pull this out of the hat. And you shocked me by saying, "How did you know that I did play in high school?"
2: I to, I kind of cheated though, because I was a brass player. Okay. So I knew I knew how to teach trombone. My 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 dad was a Salvation Army music minister, so he did everything brass. So I had siblings that played better than me, but um, I was more a trumpet mm-hmm. cornet player. But there's there's certain things you can play that you don't have to use slides or valves for. So I would always play that first. So everyone would think I was really good. And I wouldn't have to move the slide. And everyone would go, oh, you're so good. I really wasn't.
1: (laughs) And of course, your favorite tune was what? Taps?
2: Yeah, yeah. well, in the wake-up call and then anything that you play at a flagpole, yeah. I could do it. <laughs> and you want know to call people to dinner?
1: So, Is that what you did when you got married? Did you did you do that to get everybody to come to dinner? Or, or, or did you kind of drop that by the wayside later on?
2: Believe it or not, my first day as a counselor at a camp, <laughs> I put a mute into my little bugle, and that's how I woke my campers up. up. I never, ever... Had to struggle to get them up again. I'll
1: tell you, <laughs> Karen. If I had known this in advance, we I would have had you play the trumpet on the podcast. <laughs> uh, that that would have been worth it all, and it'd probably been the number one podcast
2: for, of, out of all of them
1: for people. What well, you got to hear this lady as she plays the trumpet. So
2: maybe, maybe that'll be my next book, God's Revelry. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Growing up in the Salvation Army, that's that's quite a unique background, isn't it?
2: It is. It was, it was kind of, it was pretty cool, actually. (laughs) Pretty cool. It's a, it's a different kind of environment. It is a religious organization. Mm -hmm. It is a church first. People don't always know that Uh, much of what I learned about who God is and who I am as a person, as a leader, as a child of God came through that. Uh, My father was a music minister. Mm, My grandfather was a Salvation Army officer.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: so that means I was pushed on the stage a lot. I didn't mind it. I like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like to
2: talk. So uh, there was a lot of challenges there. I was also really exposed a lot to different, um, different kinds of people,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah. people that maybe you sometimes wouldn't stop and talk to, but I learned a lot from mm-hmm. them. Right. And I, I learned to value different humanity, different kinds of humanity, different, I don't want to say kinds of humanity, people from different backgrounds,
1: Right, right. people
2: from different environments. I also was able to speak in the trumpets, Um, Some of the best musicians in the world are Salvation Army members of the Salvation Army. So I was able to really Mm -hmm. learn musically from them. I was able to learn in other ways. So it was, um, it was kind of a cool thing. That's a, and
1: that's great. That's a, that's a very rich heritage because you and I have a similar heritage in that the Salvation Army finds its roots in early Methodism because the founder himself was a Methodist. And of course, I'm Bible Methodist. So my roots go into that. Methodist Wesleyan tradition, so we got quite a bit in common. Even though uh, none of my relatives played the trumpeter or taught music that I know of, so all of
2: mine did. It was like, a, we had a family. I was born into a family band. So.
1: The family band. That's exact. There you go. Right. Well, Karen, it's just a joy to have you. And one of the things, in fact, the main thing we want to talk about today was about your book. Which every time I read at the the title of it it's it just it just gets my attention this book uh, of the anointed mess tell us and about how this book came to be because in talking with you you've revealed to me that this was a this was not a short process but for 15 years you worked on this book which in itself kind of takes us on a 15 year journey in your life so Start us off, tell us about how the book started and kind of work us through the, the journey of writing your book, The Anointed Mess.
2: Right. Well, um, to be honest, it started with an annoyance <laughs> and it ended with a miracle. Um, and honestly, I would say that the even what I would now call an annoyance was, was a miracle as well. Mm-hmm. I was in my late 20s. We had bought our first house and we had a renter who was challenging. <laughs> to, to say the least. So as I struggled through that, I mean, you know, sometimes it takes the struggles to really have the scriptures come alive to us.
1: Absolutely, that's you know, right. Things
2: like Psalms—they mm-hmm. really mean something when you're in the depths. Psalms always mean something, but they—you see something more in them. All of a sudden, there's something in you that can connect in them, and mm-hmm. so I was. I just saw, I started seeing stories through the issues, stories of the Bible and connecting to them. And I had just finished seminary a year or two before. So I'm passionate about the Bible. I'm passionate about teaching. And I was going, oh, okay, well, maybe I can write this article. And I'm connecting this, the confessions, I call it confessions of an unforgiving servant because I was so self-righteous at that point, self-righteously not wanting to forgive this other person because they weren't doing what I told them to. And so God was really speaking to me, not about how wrong the other person was, but how I needed to come to him. And I wrote the article and I realized there were a couple of things from my past that I could find scriptures for. And I I just, I love scripture, Mark. I love scripture. I love, I love how it comes alive in our life. I love how, when we read it, we see our stories there. When I start getting annoyed with someone in scripture, I start, that sounds weird, but all of a sudden I start seeing myself and it it comes more alive and something just gets off.
1: Absolutely. You know,
2: I get like, why did he say that? Why did the disciples do that? That was dumb. Then eventually God's going, Well, okay, you've done that too. You know, right. so absolutely it's something very humanizing and very connecting mm-hmm. about connecting to the humanity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. people. Uh the first line of my book is that the Bible is the world's largest anthology of seriously messed up people. And once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, so I can read it. <laughs> I yeah. can do it, you know? <laughs> and um so I thought it was I thought, okay, I've worked through this issue. I've worked through a few mm-hmm. other issues. Right. I'm gonna write this book. I'm gonna tell people how to have this you know, I'm gonna answer their question and then it's gonna sell a lot of books and my troubles will be over. That's something in me was thinking that because I was
1: <laughs> best selling author. Uh, yeah, yeah, New York uh, <laughs> so, bestseller list, and, and you I'm know,
2: still, I'm still holding out for that, but I'm okay. thinking, you know,
1: well after this podcast, week, maybe that'll happen. So
2: there you go, all there right. you go, everybody listen.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but so after a couple of years, I was very frustrated because it was all a lot of almost, yeah, a lot of almost, a lot of almost, a lot of almost, and then it was. I even, a you might interest be interested in this. I had a conversation once with Eugene Peterson, who's the author of a message. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um you know, one of the best selling translations, you know, of recent times, at least. And his number was listed and I found it and I'm trying to get someone to endorse my book. So I got the first thing I said to Eugene Peterson was, you've got to unlist your phone number. Crazy people will call you. And so he was kind (laughs) enough to talk to me for 20 minutes and give me encouragement and then unlist his number the next week. Yeah. <laughs> the next week he him.
1: And, and the <laughs> we last thing he said point. was, and don't call back, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just Probably easy. last
2: thing he thought. Yeah. But, so I, I just kept getting really close, mm-hmm. close and we'd like to, but you're an unknown author. And um, my best friend told me it's because the book's not done yet. Mm. That's what she said. And, and in, the, in the process, there were different. I hadn't quite figured how much of a mess I was yet or owned that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's okay. Uh, then I'm in a conversation with somebody one day and they said, you know, Karen, you always, you just always seem to be struggling with something. You Always doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was meant as a, as an insult, <laughs> but afterwards it was like a freeing thought. I don't know. I can't explain why, but it was this freeing thought. Like, yeah, I am. And I'm also happy. And I also have joy. Mm-hmm. And I know that God's using me and it was it, that, that, thing to me and it was like I am a mess but I'm an anointed mess (laughs) you know it's that kind of a that kind of a thing where it was this instead of being a condemning thing understanding that when I recognize that Mm -hmm. God is amazing yes and that I don't have to be flawless Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then
2: not only do I not have to be flawless but sometimes that's where grace shines in those cracks right right and that opened me up to it was like condemnation came off of me the pressure to do things perfectly came off of me. And I kept writing the book. And then we had another phase about six or seven years ago. Um, where we're like, we think it might be ready yet. We think it might be. And, mm-hmm. um, and then the bottom dropped out. <laughs> um, we had gone through a couple of years of severe, just I think it was 10 layoffs between mm. the two of us. Wow. Um, when you both work for nonprofit, the recessions recessions are not kind. <laughs> and we were in places imagine. where not only were wow. laid off, but we didn't even get, um, mm-hmm. Unemployment because there are certain states where you don't get unemployment if you work for nonprofits and you're laid off. And uh, God always provided, so that was part of the grace. Like we would have, I I remember not knowing how we were going to pay. And like over and over and over time, how are we going to pay this? And something would show up. Like there'd be two hundred dollars yeah. in the mail. We don't know who gave mm-hmm. it to us, or somebody called and said, "I don't know. I just feel like I should do this." And it was very humbling because I like to be the giver, not the taker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it taught me how to be a receiver.
1: That's hard to. Um, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I. I not a <laughs> yeah. I identify with that because I. I don't. I'm uncomfortable when people give to me, but I enjoy giving so much, helping other people. Right. But and it's, uh, it, it kind of smacks at our pride, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it. Um. I think in that period, it actually helped me to be. First of all, a more gracious giver. Mm-hmm. Being grateful when I was in a position where I could give. But um, I think at that point I realized the difference between being a taker and a receiver is: Are you grateful? or Are you entitled? Uh,
1: That's great. and so I just
2: determined very good.
1: Yeah.
2: when I when I when someone gives me something, can I be grateful? Can I? And the other thing was, I just said, "May God." Instead of saying, "I can't take it," I'd say, "May God bless you ten times over." You wouldn't believe some things that happened. Somebody one time just felt like they needed to give us twenty dollars. We needed to get home from church. We couldn't get to ch- Like we were driving to church, not knowing how we we're going to get home, but knowing we were supposed to go to church, and somebody just said, "I don't know you very well. I hope you don't take this wrong, but I feel like to give you twenty yeah. dollars." At which point I wept, <laughs> yeah. and I said, "And that's I said, so- I think that might have been one of the times where I said, may God bless you ten times over.'" And he came back to church the next week. He didn't use our name, but he stood up and said, "I felt like giving someone twenty dollars next week, last week, and I got two hundred and fifty dollars more of work."
1: Praise so God. it was Isn't that beautiful. That, that's yeah, just a daily grace. Yeah.
2: So at one point between all of this happened, we lost like eight people close to us in a year. We lost 10 jobs in two years. We moved around so much just cause we were chasing a job, but then we get laid off. Then we chase a job and we get laid off. And um, we, f- we were at the point of losing another job. And uh, then we found out that someone close to us, a close family member, a child was dying of cancer. And then our dog got struck by lightning <laughs> and like one or two other things happened all at once. And, um through all of that and through my husband having been in a position a job position where he just wasn't sleeping and then he had a bad memory come from childhood he just lost himself um and and he'll, he's very open about this now and um he lost himself he thought that everything including me that he thought about god in life was false mm-hmm. it was I can't even explain to you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I still don't understand it. And now, mind you, the month before this happened, he preached a sermon about full surrender to God. Um, six weeks before that, we went through um, psychological training mm-hmm. or psychological evaluation so we could be an ordained ministry. And the psycholog, the person who evaluated us said we passed with flying colors. He couldn't believe that we had such mm-hmm. good expectations of each other, such a healthy marriage. And so, for a month later, for him to be like, "No," I mean. He left me. He left my daughter. He left God. He was, there was another woman involved. Um, and if you ask me about it, he said, I don't understand why I just, you know, um, but because of that, we were in a house based on the fact that we were going into ministry and he took are, and had, were, everything I had was based on, we were going to go into ministry. So within a week, I lost my job, my house. And it was right after I got laid off from another job, my job, my house, my car, my husband, my computer, my phone, Wow. Almost my sanity and my calling in life. And in it. it was, it was supposed to know, publish the book about how you could overcome and I've never felt so mm-hmm. undercome. And um, so there were these periods we God always provided. I can't even explain other than it's a miracle. We never went without, I never went without. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had these friends that had this tiny little, log cabin kind of retreat area in a wonderful school district. So my daughter and I moved in there. My husband was in and out for a while while he was figuring things out. And um, there were days that all I could do was cry out to God. I, I, I'm a very happy person. Like that intense face you said, you saw that was, would have been a happy way of showing how I felt. I just, it hurt to breathe. I I remember at a very low point, only once ever because I've, I've never really been suicidal. I remember saying, out loud, I wish I was dead. And then I, at that point, that was like my lowest point. I stopped <laughs> and I repented and I'm like, no, that's not who I am. And so all I could do was read scripture. All like, it was the only power I had. And so I said, you know what? We're supposed to first John five says that if we ask anything according to his will, we know we'll receive it. Mm-hmm. So I just started reading. I read through this uh, we know that he hears us, you know, if we're living the Lord and we're asking according to God's will. God wants to give us what God wants to give us. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't believe in name it, claim it, but I believe if God names, it, you can claim it. That's so I'm good. like, I'm going to claim it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to claim wonderful. it. So I was reading through, I'd write down every promise I found. I went through, I think two and a half times in a year. It's all I could do when I wasn't screaming at God. <laughs> Honestly, I screamed <laughs> when I wasn't saying I don't get it. And there was such a depth of understanding who like, there were things about the Psalms that came from, real to me Mm -hmm. and then my husband came back very quickly he understood that it was just Mm -hmm. a weird break thing there was a huge period of restoration it took a few years a few more people died a few things broke down (laughs) and i mean at some point it clicked that you know the problems aren't going to stop but the neither does it the joy didn't have to stop either yeah you know and
1: you know karen you you've you've touched on several really important things but i think I'm beginning to understand even more now. Your book title, "The Anointed Mess," uh, because life's messy. Mm-hmm. You know, most people I know, if if when they t- remove the facade and the the image that they want you to see, for most of us, life has not been like this real smooth sailing journey. Mm-hmm. For most of us, there have been storms. Along the way, there have been times when it feels like we've gotten maybe off course along the way, or we wonder if you know the wind's not blowing and we're just out to sea and we don't feel like we're going anywhere you know, and life gets really, really messy um, and I thank you for for sharing some of that. you know it almost sounds like job. Some of what you're telling me sounds a lot like where Job was, is that seemed like life was spiraling out of control and he was losing everything, but you keep.
2: Well, you know, it was funny. I'm so sorry. No, go right <laughs> ahead. That, that was just the last chapter of my book. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a lot. That was how it got worse. But there was, um, then there's that person that cuts you off mm-hmm. and then there's that person. <laughs> then there's that day where you're having a hard time getting up in the morning. Then there's, mm-hmm breakdown of your car and um I I loved I growing up I felt like what needs to happen so that I can have a testimony because I always heard these great testimonies of people who had fallen to drugs or all these bad things happened to me and I'm like I haven't had a lot of bad stuff happen to me so what do I need to do to have a testimony and like that thing that's a huge part of my testimony but you know something that my granddaughter said yesterday that's a huge part of my testimony too, and um, being frustrated with someone at work—that's a huge part of my testimony too. Yeah, because yeah. God's in everything.
1: Yeah, that's the reality. Is it every, every day nearly we have enough trouble of its own? Jesus said, you know, mm-hmm. because we live in a world where there there is a lot of trouble, a lot of messiness, mm-hmm. and we see a course in a direction where we think life is going. We, we put on, mm-hmm. you know, we lay out our five, 10 year, 15 year strategic plan, but the truth of the matter is so there come moments when all that flies out the window and our mm-hmm. lives can take a whole different direction and in a direction that leads maybe a journey of years down the road in a way we never thought we were going to go. Yeah. But one of the things I love that you keep going back to, Karen, is the scriptures and the Word of God. Mm. One of my heartaches as a pastor and working with people and as a counselor is the fact that people have a tendency when they're going through hard times to do two things. One, they stay home from church. And number two, they don't read the scriptures. And I think of all, you know, and in other words, they, they, they don't want community. They don't they don't look to others for help or support and then worse yet it's like they don't want to read the bible why do you think that is and and what would you say to that person that is just that needs to get into the word because i think that's where the power and the answer is
2: amen amen uh, well that's a wonderful question thank you for challenging me <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I, you, well, I, I told really you when it started, it we were not sure like where where this would go. This is just a side note here. So, but I did but want to ask you head, that.
2: I, I would say uh, Satan likes to work in darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is the Father. You know, the source of light. Jesus is light. Satan likes to work in darkness, and I think, kind of like when you wake up in the morning, you don't want to have a shot. Like, if you're sleeping and you want to sleep, mm-hmm. don't shine the light in my face.
1: That's great. And I
2: think when Mm -hmm. people, when people are asleep, there's something offensive sometimes about that light being shined in their face. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's something uncomfortable. Um, I think there's a point we can get to where we become stirred by something. I think there are people, sometimes you can get to the point where you're stirred. If it's a little uncomfortable, then you Mm -hmm. think about why Mm -hmm. um, but when you're in that place of darkness and, um, I'm just, I'm just, I can be very obstinate, <laughs> so maybe that's the thing in me that I'm like Satan's not going to make me do this. Yeah. But when you're when you're depressed and when you're uncomfortable and even physically, the very thing that helps you is the thing that's most uncomfortable to do.
1: You know, I, I just yeah.
2: I, I shared with you I just had surgery mm-hmm. and you need to walk after the surgery, and some people don't want to walk because it's uncomfortable to walk you know, some people don't want to sit up and do that thing because it's uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. um, some people don't want to take the medicine because it's gross, but for a short period of time, sometimes doing that thing that feels a little uncomfortable for a short period of time helps us in the long run. But, um, as a culture, I don't really think that we've been taught to have those eyes. I think as a culture, Mm -hmm. we've been taught to do what makes me feel good right now. Uh,
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. And that's a great answer and a great, metaphor that we're using too, especially about like when you've had surgery, you know, they got to get you up, get you walking. They don't, you know, that's part of the healing. That's part of preventing, make sure you don't get pneumonia. And yet who wants to walk right after you've had surgery? Right. But walking is what you need. And, and when we're going through dark places, God's word is a, is a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. And it is a sword of the spirit and it's, it's so, so important. So back to the book. So we've, we've come to this part of your journey where it seemed like the wheels all came off. So Mm -hmm. what happened, then what happens as it was, as we're nearing the, going along the journey toward your book getting completed?
2: Oh, goodness. That could be a whole nother
1: book. Let me
2: try to give you the cliff notes version on that one. Okay. Lots of healing. Mm Mm-hmm. It took a couple of years. I do remember um Ben was only really gone for about in and out for about six weeks. Um, <laughs> I got a car because he took the other one, and I totaled the car. I've never gotten in a major car accident or anything, but I hit a thing of ice.
1: Hmm.
2: And uh, I don't think I've told this to too many people since then, but I guess at that point that particular same day, he was feeling convicted and saying, uh, I I need to change things. Everything I did was wrong. I don't know what happened to me. Something came on, you know, and he was going to get a boarding house somewhere. he just said, I need to work my way back. I need to get our trust back in. In the meantime, I flipped my car three times. Somehow, neither one of us, my daughter and I weren't hurt. We were in between trees where if we'd have been six inches to the left and uh, or 12 inches to the right, we would have been, we may not have come out of it. Um, but through that, I <laughs> told him my car, saved my marriage. And um, just through a few years of, I mean, it was hard. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. It wasn't just to come back. There was a lot of trust to rebuild. And a few months into it, I remember God telling me, because I got pretty used to talking to him, <laughs> being pretty honest with him. And, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, this time next year, your marriage will be stronger than it's ever been. And it was. And it got stronger. It got stronger. Mm-hmm. Not flawless, but stronger. Mm-hmm. Um I can tell you both of us are way more open about who we are and what we've been through. Mm-hmm. The The shame is, it's just gone. You, you tell your story, honestly, and the shame, you come out of the darkness, you know? Right. And in that process we had found people who had gone through what we'd been through. So we didn't feel alone, but we also found people who were going through what we had been through. So there's mm-hmm. this whole connection now. Our relationships are richer not that you have to go through that to right, connect to us, right. but mm-hmm. you would be surprised at how, well, no, you wouldn't. You're a pastor. <laughs> Most people would be surprised at how many people go through things similar to what we went through.
1: Absolutely. Right, right.
2: I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went through a few more years, from years, from years. Um, now we come to like last November. One of the, two of the chapters are about this book and this horrible renter and this, we couldn't get rid of the couldn't get rid of, I'm sorry, it's this book, this house. We couldn't get rid of this house. We couldn't sell it. We couldn't sell it. We couldn't sell it. And one night I get up in the middle of the night, write something. The next day I fit it into the chapter and I have this thing in my head. It's done. It's done. (laughs) The book's done. I don't know why. Um, But we have this house we hadn't sold. I had just lost a job. Then it just got into a major motorcycle accident. So everything like we don't have the money for it. I don't have the support for it. And how are we going to get the money to do this? Uh, within a week, Ben said, our old neighbors called, they want to buy our house. <laughs> this house that we couldn't that sell. You couldn't sell.
1: <laughs> right? Right.
2: Um, they wanted to buy it at a good market value. We were able to do some, we basically had to just e-sign a lot of stuff. It was a good deal for them because we didn't have to do much to it. It was a good deal for us. It was, good, I mean, everybody made money off it. One of my prayers was let's, Sell this house and be able to recover our funds and bless somebody else in the process. And I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but it did. It happened. They've saved money. We saved money. And I'm like, I can't tell my husband to use this money on the book. And like a week later, he came to me and said, Karen, it's time to publish your book.
1: That's Um, amazing.
2: So Mm -hmm. I signed a contract with Redemption Press in February and the book was out in April. Wow. After 15 years.
1: That's incredible.
2: When God said it was time, it was time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, congratulations. Well, and the thing is, in that 15 years so much more happened that needed yes. to be in that book. Yes. That that needs that is a story that people need to hear. A story that shows the grace of God in the worst of situations and how God God does miracles even in the midst of all the mess. He's still doing miracles well, in us for God. us. And shows himself to be the God who He said He was, in yes. the Word of God. So, yes,
2: every time
1: that's beautiful. <laughs> well, Karen, man, I just love to talk some more to you. You've said some wonderful things today. Um, any final words of encouragement you'd like to say to the listeners today before we kind of wrap up and get your information out there for them to order your book? Is there are there any words, sure. final words of encouragement?
2: Uh, there are so many. I'll keep it to one. Uh. God's there. Amen. God's there. Just ask the, the grace is there. Just ask. You will be amazed that when you come, how miraculously God will reveal himself when you come to him with an honest, humble heart and say, I need you, God.
1: Amen. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being part of today's hope along the journey podcast uh, share with our listeners, like where they can get the book, I know it's it's out there in a number of venues and also your podcast and your website or any social media you'd like to share. Would you share that with us?
2: Okay. Well, I'm on most forms of social media. I try to stay fairly active on their uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. YouTube. I post on YouTube probably five times a week. I'm missing two of them. LinkedIn. Interest. I'm not very good at that one, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> my pictures are an anointed mess. Uh but I'm on and I'm missing one, but you 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 probably know which one it is. Yeah. And um my book, An Anointed Mess, Discovering the Daily Adventure of Grace, is on most online retailers. Okay. Uh Books A Million, Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh aurensandnoble.com, most of those, and my podcast, uh, Daily Adventures in Grace, which is also on YouTube. Uh, The podcast is available through most platforms, but probably the easiest way to get to all of that is if you go to my website, which is karenmariepennington.com. That's my first, middle, and last name. I'll spell it K-A-R-E-N-M-A-R-I-E-P-E-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N, dot com and that'll get you any other place you want to go my email address my social media anything like that that's so. great
1: well thank you karen it's been a joy to have you on the podcast and down the road somewhere maybe we can do this again
2: oh this has been fun yeah, thank you it's been great
1: <laughs> well listen maybe some...
2: bring your trombone we'll play right. oh yeah there you
1: go <laughs> well yeah i i think i can still remember how to play the haven of rest but it doesn't sound very relaxing i'll tell you <laughs> <That's> that <right> <laughs> <now>. <laughs>
2: <Hopefully, tap. laughs>
1: there you go. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We appreciate so much you being part of the Hope Along the Journey podcast family. I remind you today that Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world, and if you'll look to Him, you'll find hope along the journey. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.